fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology. We make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Dennett. Well, you know, it's so awesome to be here, Dan. And I have to say, it's early in the show to do this, but a little shout out. As people know, I am on Ancient Aliens, now streaming on Netflix. I actually recorded an episode on apparently this movie, Cowboys and Aliens. Um, I will admit for that recording, I had not watched the movie. Um, I have now watched the movie, um, um, and it is it is way better than I expected it to be based on the comments I'd heard about the movie. So thank you, Dan. Well, I love that. I love a shameless plug, and plus you showed your devotion, your loyalty to this show over Ancient Aliens, uh, which, while I question, I do appreciate. Uh, so thank you for that. Now, now, there's one person I will never question, and that's our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siepser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from this week? Well, Dan, this week I'm dealing with a fever, gold fever. I've traveled to the Southwest where there are rumors of a large new gold strike. Unfortunately, this find is attracting some very strange and even violent prospectors. All right, Ben, will you be careful while we talk about this? Because gold is going to become a very important part of this episode. Uh, but we got to start out, you know, this is our Thanksgiving episode. And I think we can all be thankful that we haven't encountered an advanced civilization that's planning on wiping us out. I think we can all agree on that, right? I, yes, I, I will agree with you, Dan. Um, that's the first okay. thing my family <laughs> gives thanks for every Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, and I agree with you, Dennett. You know, I think that this movie, so we're, this is inspired by cowboys and aliens. And, you know, this is, you know, I think a much better movie than I anticipated. I heard horrible, horrible, terrible, disparaging things about this movie, and I could not disagree with them anymore. I enjoyed this movie for every aspect of it. Uh, there, you know, everything's going to have pitfalls, but what movie doesn't did not take away from my enjoyment of the movie, although I do love the Wild West, so maybe I'm a little more forgiving, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, but then what made you love this movie so much? Well, you know, first of all, I did not expect Harrison Ford to be in it for some reason, so I completely mm -hmm. missed that in the previews somehow. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and I love that he just plays a super grumpy old guy, like the whole movie, pretty mm -hmm, much. Right? And then there's a few moments where he smiles, and you're just like, ooh, that was Indiana Jones. And you're just like, <laughs> you <laughs> <Right>. know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I don't know. I just enjoyed that part. And I have to say, I was going to put this in the errors and editions, but I'm going to just say it right now, Dan. Right. At the top, spoiler mm -hmm. alert, I love the fact that we're lassoing people, not beaming them up. Like, that was just, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, how much better does it get? I mean, mm -hmm. and it's a Western. So, of right. course, you had to lasso the people. I did not see that coming. And when that first happened, it gave me joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a highly advanced lasso, but a lasso yeah. uh, nonetheless. Uh, and the engineering for them, I can't imagine, has changed much since uh, <laughs> since those days. Well, I, I mean, I would argue it has a little bit. I mean, those lassos were very interesting, as unlike a normal rope lasso where you have to like get the loop of rope around something. Those kind of seemed more like, if anything, they kind of reminded me a little bit of carnivorous plants that have their long <laughs> mm -hmm. tendrils that then right. hit something and whip around and close on them. And so I think, it, if anything, it's it's an even better lasso than what the Cowboys were using because it, it has it doesn't require the precision aim of getting the, the loop around something. You can just whip, <laughs> and if you hit a person, hum as long as you hit a human, you're fine. It doesn't really matter which human you abduct. You just want to abduct one, right? I do love you, how you conflated several different carnivorous plants into one uh, monstrous Audrey II-esque <laughs> carnivorous plant. Uh, you, you're mostly right. You're, you're mostly right. Uh, I like that. Uh, well, I've got a question. I'm going to start this off with a question, guys. And, you know, uh, I want to hear what you have to say about that. I'm going to start with you, Denon. But what genre of movie do you think this is? You know, I do think this is basically a Western. And I know, you know, there's a lot of debate of whether, like, Star Wars is even science fiction or a Western. 
Um, but you've got you've got all the key elements of a western. Um, you've you've got them, you know, sneaking in to rescue the people through the back door. You got them smoking smoking them out of their hideout with the dynamite to get them come out and sort of entrap them. Um, you've got basically. You know, even though there is some alien tech around and it plays a role, um, the final big scene is mostly a gun shootout and spear um, jabbing event um, as the aliens seem to prefer to use their claws and teeth to their advanced weaponry in the final battle. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you've got the roping of the the humans um, and and all of that. You even have a cowboy using a lasso against an alien at one point. You Um, do. You know, so and you got a knife. A knife plays a central symbolic role. The knife being handed from the Harrison Ford character right, to yeah. the young boy, right? You know, the hunting knife motif. I, I think, and, and you got cattle mutilation. Uh, like, really? <laughs> I mean, what are you going with? What are you going with, Dennis? So it's so it's clearly a western, and you got the funny thing of a cowboy trying to use the river to take a shit, and then he gets you know <laughs> blasted. Right? If I can right. say that on our podcast, I don't know. Sure, you said it. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. So you're going with western. Right. So I'm going with western, and I gave all my evidence. I made the case right there. <laughs> you sure did. You sure did. Um, what about you, Ben? What do you think this is? I I, I think I have to agree with Dr. Denon on this one. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a western that has a just a couple of sci-fi elements in it. I mean, not just a couple. There's there's quite a few sci-fi elements, but the story feels western. You know, even the high high tech alien tech is still dusty and dirty from the dust of the western dust. So I think that <laughs> mm-hmm. the western dust is on top of the tech. Therefore, the Western is the primary uh, genre. <laughs> I mean, you guys, these are hard, these are hard things to argue against. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna trick you a little bit here. I think this is actually what is called a weird Western, and this is you know it's a kind of a new genre. Uh, you're not gonna believe this, but I did a fascinating nouns episode on the weird West. Now I focused on the supernatural because supernatural plus wild West can also be weird West. But the science fiction plus a Western can be a weird West as well, because I think this has clearly Western elements probably dominate. There's science fiction elements. Uh, and famously, my guest said that if there's one ray gun, it's a science fiction movie. Uh, I disagree with that, but I think there's sci-fi elements. But I'm going to throw a little curveball. I think that this is actually, in some parts, a horror movie as well. Uh, it's shot like a horror movie. The the, the There's this uh, an overpowering, oppressive um, bad guy uh, who you then defeat at the end. You know, it, it's... I think there's a lot of elements here. I'm going with Weird West because it's supernatural sci-fi and Western. Um, But, you know, and also the comic book. I read the comic book, and it's definitely uh, way different. And I am impressed, in one final note, that they took an 80-page comic book and turned it into a two-hour and 15-minute movie, which, once I saw the runtime... uh, I was shocked, to say the least. Uh, Can I ask a technical question, Dan, of the sure. um, master of film and television? Yes, please do. I, I, I thought in a horror film, it was only a horror film if everybody was dead at the end. Do I, do I misunderstand something? Because uh, yeah, you said not, we defeat the bad guy in this. Yeah, not always. I mean, if you look oh, okay. at, you know, like, um, you know, take a classic like Halloween or even um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Not everyone dies. One, oh, okay, just and those are just like a, a final girl, and she gets out. Right, and yeah. there's a lot of elements there. But no, in a horror okay. movie, not everyone has to die. And sometimes okay, you good. can, even in Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, you've got, you know, they they stop Freddy, but he'll come back. Um, and okay. sometimes a group of people will stop him, right? So, gotcha. so no, no. The short answer okay. is no. Good. Uh, well, you know, um, you know, I don't watch horror, Dan, because it scares me. Um, sure. So I just wanted to get the technical clarity there. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I think what's interesting about this, from a horror standpoint, yeah, I'm going to switch into this. This is kind of a horror story for especially uh, one side of the story. But the comic book, I think, really kind of hits on the nose the parallel between the conquering Europeans and the United States and the natives that were here in the United States and aliens coming from another planet and plundering uh, Earth for their resources. You know, I mean, uh, so that westward expansion parallel is prevalent here. And I, I was thinking to myself as I'm watching this, what would we do if an alien race did suddenly come down looking to plunder our resources, as we learn in this movie, it's for gold, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but I'm wondering, you know, it, it begs the question, if a technologically superior race 
encounters another technologically inferior race, what happens? And before I go to you, Denon, I'm going to say that the famous physicist Stephen Hawking warned us about sending out signals to attract other um, civilizations to come here for this very reason, because our history is riddled uh, with this war, and it never turns out well, unless you're an Ewok, of course, it never turns out well for the technologically inferior. (laughs) No, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Dan. And it, so there's a whole lot of things here to, to go through. I know we'll go through the different pieces. I'll just make yeah. a couple quick comments. One is I find it interesting in this, um, if they're after the gold, it was not clear to me, though the one character says they're trying to find our weaknesses, why they were bothering with humans at all. Because humans mm-hmm. hadn't discovered them. Humans, you know, they seem to be getting their gold fine, right? Mm-hmm. So so the the abducting and attacking I know they were sort of a scout ship, but if they were a scout ship, why were they already mining? So I do question their strategy some, if not their advanced technology, right? So, Fair enough, yeah. So, so there's something there, like what would the actual approach be? Why are you, you know, keeping them in a, in a hole here and all that? So interesting stuff there. Um, I do think it's an interesting question. Are, are aliens guaranteed to behave the way people always have? Right. Okay. I, I, I right. kind of point out, right, that people have generally always, when they go somewhere new, conquer. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that mm-hmm. tends to be our mode of operation. Um, and so I think we project that onto aliens. But I, I, I raise the issue of, you know, maybe is that what really it takes to become a space traveling race or maybe it's something different. So there, there's a lot of tension there. Um, I do identify strongly with Ewoks at times. So uh-huh. I'm feeling safe in my ability to beat the high tech people. Right. Um, but, but that's also, you know, and, and we know my other hero, um, Captain James T. Kirk, mm-hmm. um, won, won his one-on-one battle um, by pulling together some gunpowder and an explosive device in an episode against a superior alien. Sure. So human ingenuity is there. This was, I, I know I went all over the place, Dan, but I just, sure did. there's so many thoughts here. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you're, oh, you're giving me a lot of thoughts here too, Dan. And I, now- I don't know if I'd, I'd say the the Gorn was technologically superior, superior, <laughs> superior, yeah, superior to James T. Yep. Kirk. Just uh, strength wise, he was superior. Well, that's what these aliens were too, Dan, Ben. That's my analogy. That's these true. aliens that's had true. both tech and strength. I mean, it is interesting that they weren't just using their ray guns the whole time. I guess I guess they just had you know green bloodlust, and so they had to <laughs> uh, they wanted to use their claws and stuff rather than their technology. I, the 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 scout thing is interesting, and I think the whole premise of it is interesting because it, it I would think it'd be easier to find gold and mine like asteroids and things like that where there aren't people in the way than <laughs> you know coming to a planet where there's potential resistance and stuff. So it, it's it's very interesting to me that they've come so far also for gold, which is a heavy mineral and expensive to get out of a gravity well like earth again back to the asteroid thing why aren't they mining asteroids <laughs> i think it's a good question um but not relevant here they are here they are, they are here. here that is true i guess maybe I mean, they've already uh, mined all the asteroids and now they have to you know slum it on the planets <laughs> i mean unless you're saying that you're going to go say take me to your leader you go to the lead alien and say hey I'm going to make you, let's talk logically here. Why don't you get <laughs> yeah. off Earth and we got an asteroid belt. Ah, yeah. There's tons of stuff there. You don't have to mess with us. We're not going to mess with you. Take care of, you know, unless that's yeah. your negotiation tactic, uh, which is not bad now that I've just come up with that. I think yeah. that's actually yeah, no. Which is why Diplomacy. you're the analytical mastermind. <laughs> Diplomacy. Diplomacy. I, I think we know do. who to send to uh, talk to the aliens when they finally <laughs> land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That would be exactly. I don't know that I'd make a good ambassador, but I, I do appreciate uh, your vote of confidence for sure. Um, but, you know, I think you bring up an interesting point here, Denon. And, and it, it's that, you know, do advanced technological achievements require cooperation? Yeah, I mean, it is a uniquely human trait to kind of remove, and it's this isn't limited to humans, right? This isn't just this just happens to take place in the Wild West, um, but it happened. Let's say the Black Hills of South Dakota, and they had a lot of gold in them. Let's say it wasn't you know it wasn't um, Native Americans who were there, but let's say it was um, a rare tiger or a, or wolves, right? We would wipe out the wolves, no problem. Like it's not, it's not, it's not an issue right, yeah. for human beings. Um, so it's not limited to, it's just anything that's in our way. Life is kind of irrelevant uh, for our pursuits. But I think you bring up a good point here is that, you know, could 
advanced technological advancements, would we have to step away from that and then cooperate? And I think it's true. A tribe of 30 people, no matter how intelligent, is not going to get us off the planet, but a tribe of 300 million would. You may have, you've got the resources, uh, the know-how, and the ability to compartmentalize knowledge. I think you're onto something here, Denon. Oh, I, I totally think so. And I think when we look at even sort of the discussions in the world today, I feel like, you know, from my stu vast study of history, um, which is a hobby, so I'm not an expert, but like I care and I like it. Yeah. Um, right? Good enough for it, me. It, you know, when you look at how humans talk about things, we're always good at giving the people in our in-group rights. And respecting the people are in our in-groups, right? Like we right. talked about the Greeks having democracy in Athens, but it was a very narrow democracy, right? It wasn't like it wasn't like we love Sparta too, right? right. It's like <laughs> right, yeah, right. Like Athens is what's cool, but you know we'll go beat up on Sparta, right? We've always had this tension of that we there's always someone we're trying to conquer or do things with, but at this moment in time, I, I think it's the first time the idea of conquering and being in control and ruling over people actually has a bad rap, right? Like that people are generally looking around and saying, you know, this is not like at a, at a global level. I think there's right. been religious leaders who have tried to, you know, present this idea. They generally end up dead. Yes. Um, right. That, that's the other theme of human history, right? Is, <laughs> yes. is, yeah. Right. Yeah. Very consistent. The people who promote very consistent, cooperation very <laughs> tend to get killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you have this tension, but we are also at a technological cusp. And I think, I wonder if they go hand in hand, right? Like the increase in technology brings us closer together. That raises issues of really are we that different? That allows us to maybe cooperate more and get even better technology. So I, I, I feel like there's a chance that if you run into anyone who's figured out how to travel across space, they're probably of a much more cooperative bent, a little more ET-ish mm -hmm. than the aliens in this in this event. More ET, less Klingon is what you're saying. Yeah, more ET, less Klingon. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're also going to be. I would expect them also to have like a level of like curiosity and uh, research uh, focus more than conquering. Because what's the value of conquering another planet? You know, light years away from your home planet. You know, you're, you're not, it's not easy to transfer goods or services uh, between them, at least in the real universe where faster than light speed travel isn't, <laughs> is likely not ever going to be a reality. Um, it, it would come from a desire of curiosity and, and exploration, much more like a Star Trek than a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that that's, that's important because as you, yeah, as you mentioned then, and I think sometimes when we tell stories, uh, we are putting ourselves, uh, we are, ref our stories reflect our own desires yes. and our society's needs and tendencies. And I think you're right. I don't know that a race that was coming here, even if they were coming here for gold, would necessarily uh, come with, with that um, hostile uh, attitude, which is true. Uh, but something else about this, you know, we're, we, we talk about technology, right? But we don't always necessarily have to analyze the technology that we see on screen because there are some real philosophical questions about technology. And I think that this is a great episode for that because another thing that I thought about here, now you know how much I love talking about extraterrestrials and the Roswell crash, which is just, uh, I've been enamored by this. Did a whole fascinating nouns episode on the Roswell crash, which I'll put a link to, which it's a must, must listen. But at the very least, we can say that the modern UFO phenomenon began probably somewhere around 1947. Although, Denon, you are an ancient aliens expert. This has gone on, you know, as you mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah. Yeah, you're an expert here. Yeah. Uh, this went on way before that. But let's, let's put ourselves in the shoes of someone in the 1880s, okay? In the 1940s, when this crashed, it was a whole fervor and there was lots of cover-ups. And something definitely happened, but we're just not 100% sure what imagine that same thing happening in the 1800s, you know, almost, you know, 80 years before, it would be a bigger deal because the technology gap is so significant. What do you think about that, Dennis? No, I think that's true. And I'm actually, you know, we could start a, a whole nother show, Dan. You've got fascinating nouns. We've mm -hmm. got fascinating gadgets, gears based technology. I just, you know, stumbled because I'm tired, you know, and, and my brain physics by aliens, yeah. fascinating physics. physics yeah. But I think I think there could also be fascinating thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not and, bad. And, and this is a fascinating thought, which is like, 
what is your reaction to advanced technology when you see it? So as you pointed out, I, I am the you know last remaining friendly skeptic on Ancient Aliens now streaming on Netflix. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I, I should charge someone for that. You definitely um, should, but go ahead. Definitely should. But but one of the things that always fascinates me is that we assume people can't do stuff. Like, I, I find the phrase, um, this is such advanced technology, it's beyond human capability, it must be an alien. Mm-hmm. I, I find that rather insulting, Dan. I, I take mm-hmm. personal offense at that phrase mm-hmm. because... I have always been amazed at what humans can do. Yeah. And I think this starts with a little, you know, when I first interacted with machinists as a graduate student building stuff in the machine shop, I, I mean, these people are like creative geniuses. It almost became like a mission of mine to come up with something they couldn't build. And you, and you, you know, you bring them this part in this design and they're like, oh, yeah. You know, if, if we just do this or this or that and we do this and we hook this goohickey up and we do that. And I think a goohickey is a technical term. It is. Um, yeah. They, yep. they they can then make the part. So I I I just my faith in human ingenuity. But I don't know what the people in the 1800s felt like. That was a pretty optimistic time. I think they would have seen it and said, "Ooh, can we steal it?" I mean, I think that would have been their reaction. <laughs> well, I think there was some quote that says that everything's been invented. We've already invented it. It's something to that effect. I'm not quoting it very correctly. <laughs> it won't end up on a T-shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. Exactly. But uh, but to that effect, uh, and that was right around right. this time. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You know, you look at the pace of the increase in technology. I mean, you can see it alone in just like patents. You know, there were only hundreds of thousands of patents at the turn of, well, I'd say the last century, but that's not the right thing anymore. Phrase, the right. Thousands. Yeah. At the yeah. turn of 1800 to 1900, um, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of patents. And now we have like tens of millions of patents. So the the pace of discovery and research has increased exponentially due to the technology, electricity, and the sharing of information that we have now. And mm-hmm. I think it's right that, you know, there's there's definitely things that have been invented that we don't know about. You know, you talk about this alien technology. There's all sorts of classified stuff that, you know, just isn't right. shared. Yeah. And whether it's alien-based or just very clever people-based, I am mm-hmm. tend more to the very clever people-based Mm-hmm. side of that spectrum sure. uh it, it, it's not crazy to think that you know people can adapt to the new technology you know people learn how to use uh mobile uh smartphones and things in in their older age i, I think people have a, <laughs> ben a, i take insult at that yeah, i don't know that, that it's quite figured huge, out his, his phone people yet, have but. a huge capacity for adaptation in general and adapting to new technology is just a part of that Though, Dan, I, I do have one comment I have to make that I think if this was to show up in the 1800s, yeah. that would cause a bigger splash I think than, so. than, than the alien technology. Because, I mean, to see these amazing faces on a mug, they'd be like, how'd you get them there? And who are those people? Yeah. Like, that would be the first question they would ask. Um, that I is an amazing that, mug. Yeah. It's an amazing mug. Well, and that's I before think... photography, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they'd also ask how you got a, a such a cleanly clean and smooth piece of metal into this mm-hmm. water bottle because yeah. this type of uh metal working just was not possible back no. in the day and no, so i think you know if you're going to go back to the 1800s to be a gold rusher and fight some aliens you know bring a water bottle with you yeah, they did have canteens but they're not nearly as good as that particular no and they were often made of animal skins and other gross things you know <laughs> right uh and you know technology is important and they had t-shirts but not one as good as this where biology is nature's technology now we're talking about technology being technology so it's a little different um but the t-shirts are great but it leads me you know we're talking about technology here Dennett. and this leads me to to ask the question you know uh well, actually, I'm going to say something to what you said there, Ben, first. Before I move on, I'll say something to what you said, Ben, first. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, in our Beavis and Butthead episode, you know, you talked about how Beavis and Butthead from the 90s would kind of have an issue with a smartphone from, you know, 2012 or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the, the difference, whenever smartphones kind of became the smartphone, right? Sure. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a, an adjustment there, and that's only 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah. But we're ta- you know, I'm talking about, you know, advanced technology for us be going back, you know, an additional 100 years. Let's say it's, you know, 1847 or whatever. And it it made me wonder, when you look at advanced technology, you know, uh, at what point 
does the, the technology seem like it's from the future? At what point does it seem like it's from outer space? And then at what point does that technological gap with what you're capable of and what you see become so great that you think it's from the gods? Or you give it a divine explanation like we see in this movie, let's say angels or demons, you know, aliens or what. Right. Uh, so I, I think that th- that the, the gap between what you're capable of and what you see determines how far your mind tells you that this thing is from, being from a possibility standpoint. I think that's totally right, Dan. And and it's something actually interesting that I've been thinking about in we do a lot of technology on time travel. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder how people think about time travel, you know. Right. Um there's right, because those the stories around time travel have changed over time as we have a better understanding or a different understanding of time and technology. Mm-hmm. Um Jules Verne is famous for having, I think, the first science fiction time machine, time travel, the way we think of it now. Yeah, right. But, you know, if someone came back and said they were from the future, how would someone in the 1800s react versus someone now? I mean, there'd always be skepticism, but probably for different reasons. Um, I would love, and, to see a cave, also, I'd love to see a cave drawing where you have, like, a right. bunch of people with spears and there's just a guy in, like, a suit, you know, like, with a tie. Yeah. Like, how cool would that be if you saw that, right? Like, that no, would be, that would be awesome, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and it, would be, it would be proof of time travel. Or, or a really, really advanced dresser. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. And, and, and technology is the same way. Like, what mm. I loved about this movie, I mean, the device that the, the main guy gets on his arm that he shoots with um, – is apparently controlled through your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And and he sort of accidentally stumbles into working it uh, mentally. And once he figures it out, it's basically a gun. Um, and so he can do that. And, and I think there's some cool things, like he notices that it tells you when there's people there. Like, he figures it out because the technology is reasonably close. But if it was not, say it was not mind-controlled powered, right? But it involves some sort of keypad, like we use now, right? right? Or or a slider on the side somewhere. Um, you know, you and I might have figured out, like we would have started messing and moving things in with knobs, but if it right. used, right, if it used like even mechanisms, you know, gears, for instance, and gadgets that he wasn't used to in guns, he might never have figured out it was a weapon and he'd be dead. So to your question, there's both, who do you attribute it to? And do you have any chance of figuring it out? Well, how close it is to what you know and how intuitive it is to use. Because I think this is actually extraordinarily intuitive, which makes that connection uh, a little more easy to jump, I think. Right. And he thinks it's a gun, so he he doesn't give it to the gods. Whereas when the creepy things jump out of the you know, the ship and start attacking. Those are pretty creepy looking and scary. They don't look like any animal people have seen. I, 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 I might personally jump to demons too. Um, I might skip the whole alien thing with the way those things were screeching at me. Sure. Well, and that comes from your belief system. You're a medieval Catholic. And then I think sometimes exactly. your, your, your belief system determines where the origin of things come from. You know, there's something yep. to that as well. Um, what do you think, Ben? I mean, would you, if you had this blaster on your arm, would you know how to use it? Uh, and would you actually push knobs and um, whiz bangs and press little doodads with the possibility you could blow yourself up? Yeah, well, I, I would hope I'd figure out at least how to aim it not at myself. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's... Hey, write that down, Ben, and make sure when we're messing with it, we got to make sure. Yeah, we gotta, I, I good, think good it's, point. it's interesting because... You know, it it comes up with this very cool like uh, hologram heads up display when you know he's aiming at things, and it show you know has a friend or foe display when it he aims it at people. So I think in some ways it's a very intuitive device. And really, the issue is the how do you turn it on part. The you know could could I come up with the right brainwave feelings to turn it on, or would I try to like use it like a touchscreen. I don't know. It didn't look like it had any obvious buttons or other stuff. So I'd probably, I don't know what would happen. I, I, I don't think I would assume that it was something you could fiddle with because it didn't look like there was anything you could fiddle with on it. I love your new wave well, as, vibes though. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. As the resident brain expert, Ben, I assume you would start thinking <laughs> thoughts at it based on your previous I, research. I would certainly right. be thinking thoughts the whole time. Like, 
this is a very ugly bracelet and very chunky. Uh, what, why? Why? It's very big. Uh, well, you know, and, and this is an interesting point. You know, and Denon, you you made this, and I'm just kind of kind of reiterate this. Um, when it comes to our stories. Technology is always present, but it's kind of based on what we see. You know, yeah. um, you, you made this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm stealing this from you. I'm giving you full credit, but I, and you can expand upon it. But you mentioned, you know, how Dadless um, was – Dadless? Dadless. Uh, right? Yeah, Dadless. Uh, was making <laughs> wings. You know, he was making wings uh, out of wax and feathers because he wanted to mimic birds. And that makes sense. And then you see Da Vinci, who's creating flying machines in his drawings. Uh, then, you, you, but that all happens before the Wright brothers, you know, in 1903, make their first famous flight uh, using a real flying machine, and they, that's the first real human flight experience. So, you know, we have imagining, we, we imagine as human beings what goes on, but it's only based on the maximum. You know, we can think further than what we currently have, but only so far in the distance. Well, and that's what I have always loved, Dan, about science fiction. And even like the tech here, you know, Ben mentioned it has a cool heads up display mm -hmm. that showed friend or foe, right? I, I doubt we could make a totally real one of those exactly the way it looked right now. We certainly couldn't make one mentally controlled yet, right? But, but all of that is consistent with ideas we have. You know, when we watch the Marvel universe, right? They're always doing these cool things with their displays and their computers are always 3D and they're manipulating things with their hands. You know, all of that, you know, where it's real, where it's not, brings me back, though, to when I was in grad school. I'm doing a lot of past reflection here. Mm -hmm. Like, we all laughed that the computers could ever listen to your voice. Like, there was some right. voice to you know, command or tech stuff. It never could get your accent right. It never worked. Right. There was the yeah, great yeah. joke, though, in Star Trek where Scotty is talking into a mouse to try and get the computer to work when he goes back in time. And now we're talking to stuff all the time, and my watch always hears me and says, sorry, I can't help you with that, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it, 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 like, it gets there, right? It's really weird. Um, and then sometimes it fails in an interesting way. Like, people should go watch our Jetsons episode if they haven't. Definitely. And we talk about the difference between the size of the computers and the energy revolution. So, Dan, there's this, this trek through history of what we think of before it happens and what we make that we think of is always interesting to me. And does art imitate life or does life imitate art? Like, are we creating those things yep. because they exist? You know, a lot of the flip phones were inspired by Star Trek. Well, they probably wouldn't have been yep. built if Star Trek wasn't popular. So we're kind of influencing ourselves while also seeing in the future and constantly building that road as we go forward. I, I'd almost argue, though, that the, the amount of mind control that goes into this device, I think, is almost something we could do. Because it's basically just a binary, I need a gun. Uh, <laughs> shoot, or don't shoot. I don't need a gun right now. Uh, yeah. yeah, and because because once he thinks he needs a gun, it gives him a trigger and things like it's not like right. It's not like he's thinking shoot. He's just thinking give me a gun, mm -hmm. or he's thinking ah I'm in danger or something. And right. so I, I think I think that level that level of mood detection is is maybe not fully compatible with our current technology, but it's not far off. Uh, Actually, Ben, you just inspired me. It, it is basically an Apple Watch, not to give Apple any credit or advertising time on our show, mm -hmm. um, but it's clearly not measuring his mind. The woman was quite a little bit off. It's simply just measuring heart rate, pulse, exactly. and other things in your, your right. bio on your wrist. It detects a certain level of stress and says, clearly they're stressed. And what do you need when you're stressed? You need a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives them a gun, right? Like. Yeah. It's a very American, Dan. Yeah, it's very American. It is. It seems to be made in, finally something made in America, even if it is alien technology. Uh, but, you know, it is, th there are some funny things here, right? Because you're looking at this this device, this, ri this wrist gun that is extraordinarily advanced. But what's confusing about this, this movie is that the aliens in some ways were super advanced, but in some ways were weirdly primitive. Um, like their, their airplanes seem to have an exhaust system, which I thought they would have moved past biofuels or, or burning combustion, right? I, and Ben, you could probably speak to this, but it didn't seem like that was particularly advanced. Uh, and, and they also don't seem, besides their technology, and maybe there's some other race that's canning everything out, that's their kind of, you know, the, the scouts, as we mentioned, but they, they don't seem particularly smart. They are extraordinarily primitive and animal-like. They still use their jaws to bite. They still have big claws to fight with. And I think, you know, human beings have gotten more wimpy 
as we've gotten more technologically advanced, you know, go to 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know, it, it, all it took was a bone to, to be technologically superior. And, uh, you know, that made, you don't have to be strong. You can just whack someone over the head, you know? Uh, so I, I found this to be very, very strange, you know, from, from an evolutionary standpoint. I, I think you're right, Dan, and it creates an interesting sort of question just like we said earlier, right, do you have to get cooperative to achieve space travel, mm-hmm. right? Do you have to get wimpy because you have technology, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting question. Um, and I do find it fascinating the way they portray them as very mindless, right? They get very much outsmarted, like a simple little explosion, mm-hmm. and now they all run out and, and, and are in danger when they really don't need... There is no reason for them to come out and attack the humans. Right. Right. Like yep. this yeah. is a classic siege situation. Right. Um, if, if we were medieval knights, we never would have left. Like we would have like, yeah, okay, whatever. The gold's inside. We're getting the gold. Run around and scream at us all you want. Right. So I, I totally get that they were portrayed in this kind of interesting sort of not smart way, which goes back to one of our earlier episodes. Maybe intelligence is a problem with evolution and the fact that these did not evolve intelligence the way we think of it, but still evolve technology, maybe it is what made them superior. I don't know. But they do lose. So yeah. I, I, I if anything, I th- it makes me think back to Love, Death and Robots and the Swarm, where this is an this is a, some sort of hive mind and and we're just dealing with the workers or the drones or something that aren't very intelligent and there's some sort of, you know, queen or you know, managerial structure <laughs> above <laughs> these folks. And yeah. as the scouts, they're just told yeah get gold, you know, fight any local wildlife that's getting in your way. And th- and that's all the programming they have. And it, there's some bigger system above them that they are not really privy to. And they're probably disconnected from while they're, you know, doing their scouting mission. That's an interesting point. I think that there might be something to that because the, the weapons they're using are extraordinarily advanced and they are well fortified, as you mentioned, Den, and the, I, I, the fact that they would come rushing out is surprising to me um, because they do have the gold. Let's talk about the gold here. Let's, let's switch into the gold because this, I thought, was a great little piece. I, I don't believe this is in the comic book. So this was a, a purposeful choice for the movie which I always find interesting. Um, but, you know, again, Dennis, I'm going to go to you as our extraterrestrial expert here. There are lots of themes of g- gold being one of the reasons why there people believe that we are being visited by extraterrestrials. And gold does have some extraordinarily unique properties. Now, I couldn't speak to its rareness across the universe, which is part of the argument, but I do know that it's it's inert, one of the most inert metals, I believe. Um, it's really good at reflecting infrared radiation. It's a great conductor of electricity, uh, and you know, with that inertness—that's uh, a word—it it doesn't corrode. It doesn't, you know, gold that was that could be underwater. We could build our underwater city with gold uh, that we talked to in our last episode, right? Uh, it's a bit soft, but yes, <laughs> right, um, and a little ostentatious, um, but it still could be used. Is my point um, from a theoretical standpoint? Lots of weird stuff going on with gold. Um, tell me some about some of these physical properties, Denon. No, gold gold is amazing. Uh, you pretty much named them all, Dan, but I could repeat them if you want me to. But like one of the other cool things is gold being malleable and the way you can make it so thin. So in fact, as a coating for underwater city, you can get impressively thin gold, cover it over things, and it would make a nice shield. It makes a great shield. You know, um, it is true one of the major alien theories is that they're coming here for gold to make gold nanoparticles because their planet is suffering from climate change, and they're going to put gold nanoparticles in their atmosphere, um, reflect the light, and cool down their planet. So it is an ancient alien theory. Um, I I have to take this moment, Dan, to say because um, this was edited out of an Ancient Alien episode, and I know you won't edit me <laughs> I out. won't edit you. Put um, it in. This is where it's hit the cutting room floor there. It's not going to hit my cutting room floor, Denon. I, I, think, I think the biggest piece of evidence that the aliens are not coming for gold, sadly, is we actually do understand how much gold there should be on the Earth. We understand how, how the heavier elements get made in stars. We understand the proportion of them. We know roughly how much gold there is in the Earth, um, and it's still all here. Um, So we do not have any missing gold. We're not looking around wondering where it went. The aliens may come for the gold. I I cannot guarantee that they won't be coming for the gold, Dan. Right. But they have not come for the gold in the past and taken it. 
So I can safely say that um, we, we have all our gold for now. These aliens were clearly trying to take it. Um, gold is useful. To Ben's point, I'd probably want to get it from somewhere else. Um, but, you know, if you've tried everywhere else and you've run out, yeah, take ours. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's an interesting point. I would say, you know, I'm not sure that you work at Fort Knox or in any of these large gold housing complexes. Is it still there? Is it not? I think it's up for debate um, because we have been taken off the gold standard. There's lots of stuff. I'm not saying any of it's relevant. That's true. Or any of it's true. We have not necessarily double checked recently. Right. But exactly. as far all, as we can tell, saying, we have the right amount of gold. Right. All I'm saying is, I don't think you've been to Fort Knox recently. We don't know, but we can't assume. Anyway, sorry, Ben. What were you yeah. going to say? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's important to acknowledge, like, I, I like that they use gold. I mean, obviously, we think of gold, you know, gold has this, you know, historical value as, you know, being what we've made coins with over time and all this stuff. But gold is pretty much of the precious metals, like the most important when it comes to industrial use. Like, like Dana mentioned, it's used for contacts in electronics. It's used for, uh, it's, it's very difficult to corrode it's very heavy it's very soft it can be used as coatings for things it's a very valuable mineral or metal beyond it's it being pretty and then on top of that it's also pretty (laughs) so i i I like that that's what they're looking for you know they're not trying to dig up silver which is not nearly as useful a metal or you know some other sort of situation we have talked about, though, in our Supernatural episode, silver does have unique properties as well. Um, so it's True. not completely useless and maybe not as effective as not gold. Not as valuable yeah. as gold. Not though. valuable as gold, right. And, Dan, I do now want my T-shirt, please, that says, you know, I have very valuable properties besides just being pretty. <laughs> <laughs> ben continues his streak of wonderful <laughs> <laughs> quotes for T-shirts. Uh, but now, so the last thing we got to talk about here, guys, is we've got the gold. We talk about its unique properties. Let's say these, these aliens clearly want it. Now, the, the unique thing that we see in this episode or the, in this movie is how they mine it. Uh, they're not, they, you know, they don't have goofy hats that are flipped up in front and they're not, <laughs> you know, going in the water panning for it. They seem to be, on an industrial scale, they seem to be melting it, uh, uh, boiling it, you know, um, and 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 collecting it. I don't know through, uh, I don't know through magnets. Is I don't think it's magnetic, but they must. They're doing some collection. I don't know what's going on here because I know. Here's what I do know. I know that bo- that metal boil. Jeez, uh, that gold boils at about five thousand degrees Fahrenheit, which is very hot. So uh, that heat seems to be centrally located because they're walking around all of these pillars of melted gold. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what's going on here, but if we could figure it out, I feel like we would save a lot of mountainous region in the United States. Oh, well, so there's a key idea here that is the b- fundamental theoretical groundwork, Dan, that is valid, okay. but then falls apart when you look at the execution. Okay. Um, Right. And, and we do know that a very, very common way to separate objects is the fact that they boil at differential temperatures or melt at differential temperatures. Right. So it's a common thing. If you want to extract A from B or separate A from B, you know, fractionation is a common chemical process. And it often involves, you know, the fact that things do things at differential temperatures. Now, let me pause you for a second, because a good example uh, is alcohol to, to distill exactly. alcohol. And I did a whole episode on whiskey from Fast St. Nouns. I'll put a link. I uh, couldn't miss that for, for a shameless plug. But I think it actually does illustrate what you're talking about, Dennis. No, it's perfect. I love it. The problem here is, right, what you're supposedly getting out is the thing that is melting at perhaps the highest temperature mm-hmm. of the stuff around it, not the lowest temperature. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so the rest of the stuff should be melted too, <laughs> yeah. right? So. So really what you would do is melt everything else, suck it out, and then pick up the gold and leave. So it, it's kind of – I think the inverse is happening here. Maybe yeah. there's a clever trick I'm missing, but I feel like – and I haven't memorized the melting point of all the ores um, and rocks sitting there around the gold. Um, some of them might be higher than gold, so this, this might work a little bit. But I think that's your fundamental challenge here. Well, I question your dedication there, Denon, for not memorizing all that. I'm guessing, Ben, have you done that? Have you done your homework? Because I haven't either. <laughs> uh, well, well, I will say that that gold, generally speaking, has one of the highest melting points of any metal. So I, I highly okay. doubt that there's anything else there around that would melt hotter. Okay. Um, but what's what's important to think about is this: this could 
this could be just their extraction method. It doesn't have, have to be their purification method. So they could just be gathering the, the gold along with whatever other metals and things are in the, the ore there at the same time. And then once it is, once those vapors are then brought into the spaceship, it's then further refined. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe they don't need very pure gold. One of the hmm. things about gold is it's relatively, you know, you can generally dig it up. You find like little chunks of it. Right. You know, it's not like uh, aluminum or iron where it's like little bits. It's very distributed throughout an ore, like a, an iron ore or a, a bauxite ore. Um, gold's kind of just there. Um, and so it's it's kind of easier to deal with in that sense, at least in the way they show it. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, in some ways, it is like the alcohol dis 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 distillation. There you go. That's how you say it. Yeah. Uh, because you are, with that, you do multiple runs to get it to be pure. Yep. So this seems kind of similar. So it's the mm -hmm. distillation of gold that we're seeing um, <laughs> yeah. at a very specific area. Yeah, and it's not necessarily yes. distillation with gold. It, it's Right. Wrong I, words. It, it's, it's similar, though. You, you melt it, and then you do things chemically to get rid of the impurities or mechanically too. Sometimes you just scrape the stuff off the, the top. <laughs> right. Yeah. Once you melt it all, yeah. um, gold is very heavy. So all the lighter metals that are in there too, like f literally float and you can scrape them off. And that's also why we don't have a lot of gold is because most of the gold has sunk to the middle of the earth. Oh, wow. I didn't quite realize that. Uh, I'm sure there are people out there who would want to blow up a chunk of the earth and, and get a hold of that gold. Possibly uh, an alien um, a presence uh, just hovering outside the, the our, our vision in our atmosphere. Hopefully that's not the case. As I mentioned, I'm thankful that uh, for this Thanksgiving episode that no one has come for that gold in the center of the earth, Ben, and hopefully they yeah. won't. Uh, but in case anyone knows, you know, uh, well, actually, let's do something right here that we do every time that I almost forgot. That's our errors, editions, and omissions section. Uh, things we wanted to talk about, but we didn't quite get to, Denon. Is there anything about aliens, gold, uh, or even distillation and whiskey that you wanted to talk about that we didn't quite get to? Um, well, two things. One is, you know, they describe, uh, the woman describes that most of this, that this is their rocket ship and most of it's underground mining the gold. Mm -hmm. I question that in the takeoff uh, sequence at the end, unless maybe it's just the top half that's, I mean, some of the underground part leaves. Right. And so maybe it's lot. just, you know, separating. But, you know, so I had some issues. But to your point, Dan, all movies have issues. So like, that was a minor one. Yeah. little one. Um, I do have to share. No my pun intended, by the way. A minor one. Yes. Uh, exactly. I will share my, my last Ancient Alien shameless plug. Um, being on the show has been a great benefit to my children um, with life lessons because the episode where we spoke about gold, she actually watched. And, and I believe the direct quote was she turned to me and said, Dad, you don't know anything about gold. Why were they interviewing you? <laughs> and, and I turned to her in the proper, you know, parent and life lesson form and said, honey, that's about how much you should believe anyone on TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Or on a podcast, because sometimes we talk about things we don't know anything about with the utmost authority. Uh, that is a hallmark of my presentation. Uh, what about you, Ben? Is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't quite get to? Well, I want to go back a little to this this brain stuff with the the alien mind control gun. If it is in fact a mind control gun, I think that implies there's a common ancestor here and that we are actually <laughs> related to these aliens because how how else would our brain waves be similar enough to allow us to both use this uh this uh mind control particle beam thing. And so therefore <laughs> clearly this, uh, you know, this is confirmed panspermia or some other sure. uh, alien, uh, you know, theory, because obviously we must be related to these invaders. Well, what about the octopus? I mean, convergent evolution, it developed a brain that is similar to ours on a whole different tract, although unrelated. Uh, maybe there's something yeah. going on here. I mean, brainwaves are brainwaves, right? And these aliens did have extra limbs, Dan. They did. That's Did they? Well, yeah, inside themselves. Oh, right. Yeah, the, the, the little marsupial oh, pouch well, of well, the two little T-Rex arms. Right, right. That's the other thing I thought. Is this a weak alien in a exosuit? <laughs> oh. And, and the outside, it's all, it's, they're basically alien mechs is another possibility. Oh, biological alien mechs. Yeah. 
that's great. That's that might be it. Oh, that's interesting, huh? I didn't think about that. Um, but again, this is where we can't go into too much detail because there is addition to omission section. So I will quickly uh, tell you about my uh, my um, uh, my air addition omission, and that is Jake, the main character played by Daniel Craig. He's supposed to be a big tough guy, right? You see him go down and he kind of quiets the town bully and he's doing all this stuff. But he quiet, you know, he 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 eliminates, nullifies the town bully uh, by kicking him in the crotch. That's dirty. That's dirty pool. Uh, he also does that in another part of the movie. He kicks a guy right in the Johnson. Uh, I don't like this. That's not that's not tough guy stuff. That's Beavis and Butthead stuff. And you know, <laughs> I was a little disappointed. Uh, this is not this is not the Wild West. You know, John Wayne, um, Clint Eastwood type. They would never. Clint Eastwood wouldn't go kicking anyone in the gonads. So I was a little disappointed at that. Uh, but that's just my personal thing. But if there's anything else that you want to talk to us about for this show, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're easy to get a hold of. You can find the show on Twitter at FGGBTPod, on Facebook at FGGBT. But you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just flip my name at Denon Michael. And then on Facebook, stick in the prof at Prof Denon Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at the Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And if you want to send us a question that you want to have answered on the show, questions at FGGBT.com. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast channel, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and ring the bell so you never miss an episode. And finally, this show contains powerful information that can be misused by those hell-bent on world domination. Now, it is your duty to take this information and do good with it. Remember, if given the choice, you always want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there fgbt.com and before you leave don't forget to check out our other episodes you can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got and you'll notice that we've got both a youtube version and an audio only version depending on what you like we got it for you and if you do like those videos you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well we're on youtube.com backslash daniel j glenn and once again if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening